Welcome to Real Talk, Real Advice, a podcast from the Real Estate Council of BC. In each monthly episode, we explore a different, timely real estate topic with experts from within the council, lawyers, and industry insiders. This is episode number three, Managing Conflicts of Interests. I'm your host, Elise Palmer, a communications specialist here at the Real Estate Council. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Seeley, the executive officer at the council. Maureen Coleman, our Manager of Professional Standards, and special guest Leslie Howitt, the Executive Officer of ENO. Welcome everyone. Thanks, Elise. Today we're talking about managing conflicts of interest. So let's begin at the beginning. So everyone, what is a conflict of interest? So this is a, a definition that's in uh, our the online course and in our guides, and it defines a conflict of interest as a situation where there is a substantial risk that the agent's representation of a client would be negatively affected by the agent's own interest or by the agent's duties to another current client, a former client, or a third party. So that pretty well captures it, I think. So what um, what do you think that, what does that mean in, in practice? What it means is that licensees, because when they're representing clients, they must um, be acting in the best interest of their client and with undivided loyalty. And so anytime that a conflict arises where somebody else's interest might interfere with them representing the interests of their client, that's where a licensee has to stop and think about what their obligations are to, to the client and what their obligations are under the legislation. Are conflicts, I mean, they exist all the time, are they unavoidable? What would your view be on that, Erin? I think there are different types of conflicts, and I always look back in our definition on the website to the substantial risk. I think that you have to use judgment as a licensee to understand when the information you know about another party could have a material impact on your ability to serve your client. And I think the other principle is about the, the transparency and the disclosures you make to your client, um, where you know a little bit of information about someone else in a, in a potential transaction, do you have a duty to d- disclose to your client all material pieces? And I think you have to use judgment about whether what you know about the other party who's not your client could impact the transaction and, and prepare your client accordingly. And I think a lot of what's happening now with the new rules in, in the real estate profession is encouraging those conflict discussions early on with clients because they do arise and they can be unexpected. As much as you try to anticipate, something can pop up at an unexpected time in the sale of a property. So we've heard this a lot um, from licensees that, oh, you know, I our kids play hockey together or I met them last night at a dinner party um, and I'm in a conflict. Oh, God, now I, I can't act for my seller. I'm going to have to walk away. Um, is that automatically a, a conflict of interest, Erin? I don't think it's there's an tr- automatic trigger when it's about something that you know. It's what you know about that person and how it's going to impact your duties to your client. And again, it's about disclosing material information to your client. You're acting in an undivided way um, to that client. You're giving them all the information you can to support them. Um, but if you do feel like I think it's a spectrum that it's something that you know could impact your judgment, could impact your ability as an agent, then you do need to think about the steps to take to resolve that conflict. And 
we, we can't see the same level of tolerance, but there's no limited dual agency anymore after June 15th. So I think preparing for scenarios where you may need to refer a buyer, you have other agents in your brokerage and you're referring regularly back and forth business when conflicts do arise is a way to be really prepared because it can happen in the heat of a transaction and you want consumers to be protected to have their own advice. You don't, if you, if you find yourself in a situation where your loyalty is divided uh, to your two clients, you can step out of the transaction entirely. And that is one of the options that exists for real estate licensees now and also under the new rules. And that's something that, that should be remembered because it may in fact be the best uh, solution, not just for yourself, but also and perhaps even more importantly for your, your client, clients perhaps. I just want to piggyback on what Aaron was saying, uh, and at least you would refer to uh, somebody that you know because your kids are on the same hockey team or they're a neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, knowing somebody doesn't necessarily create an agency relationship, and I think that was Aaron's point. So the information that you know about somebody that is not a client, you have an obligation if they came to the property as a buyer that was represented by another licensee, for an example, um, you have a, an obligation to disclose all information to your client. So I think people have to be very clear that agency is not created through mere acquaintance. Right. Yeah. And you don't owe the duty of confidentiality to everyone. I mean, that's impossible. What you owe are the duties to your client. Exactly. And, and that confidentiality can um, exceed beyond a transaction, but it's only to your client that you owe those duties. And and one of the important things I think that you mentioned, Leslie, too, is, is around stepping away in certain circumstances. And one important piece with the new rules now around conflicts of interest, the Rule 518, is there is a form, an agreement now where parties can both consent for one party to be released in order for a licensee to retain and continue representing the other party as a client. But in, in this agreement, both of the clients have to consent. And I think that's key because where you don't get consent from both clients, you're still left in a scenario where you, you will need to step away from both parties in order to best represent their interests. And that's still something that is going to be new and is going to have to be grappled with by the industry. Um, so, Erin, just to follow up on what you just said, so that 518 agreement is about current conflict, or sorry, current clients and managing that conflict between two current clients. Leslie, maybe you could address a little bit about how would you evaluate if you've got a former client, um, whether you're in a conflict with, with them, if yeah. they're on the other side. Uh, that, I think, will be one of the biggest challenges for licensees in, in understanding uh, the, the new situation. What's the definition of client in particular? Because it may be someone you're in a current agency relationship with. It may be somebody that um, isn't a current client, but you're still in an agency relationship because of the, the, the type of relationship. I think there's a few things that licensees will need to ask themselves, and it requires a judgment call, really. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be easy, so people really have to be thinking carefully. And going back to the basics of agency, I think that's really the starting point is what is, what is an agency relationship and what are the obligations, um, confidentiality, disclosure, and, and loyalty are sort of the tenets of fiduciary duties. Mm -hmm. um, licensees need to ask themselves, um, 
how how long has it been since I was this person's agent? Uh, what was the nature of the relationship? Have things changed since then? Do I have information that continues to be relevant now? Uh, you know, it, it, it's I think it's impossible to give a black and white answer to this question. And uh, I, what I often tell licensees when they're trying to figure out if they're in a conflict is to do a, a gut check, is what we call it. Uh, is there something that just doesn't feel right? And it's important to listen to that inner voice uh, because your gut might actually be telling you something if you're just unsure, but something just doesn't feel right about your carrying on acting for uh, in, in a situation where you may end up uh, being in a conflict. It's going to take a lot of, uh, of careful thinking and judgment on the part of licensees. I wonder, Leslie, if I could get you to uh, comment on, um, you know, perception is reality, and what if the former client still perceives you to be their agent, even if the agency relationship has been uh, concluded? Yeah, and that may happen. There may be situations where licensees, um, you know, have a property listed for sale, and a former client comes along and wants to buy it, and uh, the licensee doesn't consider that former client to be a client, but the the past client thinks they are. I'd say that's a red flag that one should listen to. It again is going to require a judgment call, um, but, I, but I think that's a red flag and you have to pay attention to those. And I think one of the benefits of having the new forms, apart from the 518 rule, the disclosure of risks to unrepresented parties in particular, is I think that can help distinguish the relationship with individuals who believe they're clients or because they've known you, they expect that you're automatically acting in their best interests. I think it's important to be very clear with clients and with former clients and with anyone in the public when they're coming up to you to ask you about a listing and you're not just providing factual information, that you're giving that form out and talking about the risks and being clear that the person you're speaking to, as um, you're considering them an unrepresented party and that they know what the risks of that are. No one is acting in their best interest in the specific situation. So that form is intended both certainly to protect consumers, but I think that form has a lot of benefit for licensees in clarifying who's doing what in a scenario and who am I as an, a licensee representing, who are, where are my duties and yeah. loyalties. Yeah. Maureen, maybe you could talk a little bit more um, about how licensees can actually avoid conflicts of interest. Well, as you know, Elise, this is something that we've spent a lot of time on, and there's a lot of information on the website, the knowledge base, yeah. really good work on it. But we've got a piece on there of best practices for avoiding conflicts of interest. And I, I won't go into them in detail, but I would refer people to the knowledge base, and it's super searchable. It's really great. But um, in a nutshell, so communicate clearly, early, and often. And so the licensees have to take a consultative approach right off the get-go because they want to introduce the concept that conflicts may arise and have a fulsome discussion with their client about how it's going to be dealt with and getting a consent moving forward. And also familiarizing the client with all of the forms that may be, they may be asked to consider. 
So um, standardizing your processes and procedures, and I typically just refer to run your business like a business. It shouldn't be hit and run real estate, and I know most licensees put their minds very clearly to how they can properly deliver real estate services in a consistent and thoughtful manner to their clients. And what Aaron was uh, alluding to, remember your role. Who are you working for? You are a trusted advisor with special expertise, and you must always act in the client's best interest. And then deal appropriately with conflicts as they arrive. Um, Leslie's comment about the gut check was good because as soon as you're feeling like, whoa, you know there's an issue, there's a red flag, you have to use your professional judgment. And if you're uncertain, you need to talk to your managing broker and there's also the professional standards advisors at the council that you can bounce things off of. But fully understanding what your duties are to your clients is the best way to um, keep yourself out of the glue. So Leslie, how, how do you advise on that, on Maureen's last point about dealing with conflicts appropriately as they arise? How would you recommend, you know, a consumer believes you're in a conflict or, or otherwise suggests it? What, what, should you, what should you as a licensee do? I would suggest, first of all, don't ignore the problem. You need to deal with it. Um, there may be a tendency sometimes to, to shuffle it away because it's difficult, but deal with it. And the managing broker is, I, I think, the first place to go. Sitting down with the managing broker and uh, going to the basics, the rules. Really set it all out and you know start there um, by understanding the rules uh, keeping up with um, all of the changes and the forms. Uh, the forms that have come out, I think, are a really good tool for licensees because it, it first of all, gives your, 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 the people you're dealing with, whether they're a client or they're an unrepresented party, it gives them very good information that they should know. And it helps you to relay that information to them. And in, in many ways, it acts as a checklist for a licensee. Um, so we're using those forms to your advantage and, and in turn to the advantage of, of the people you're dealing with in uh, documenting. I mean, this is something that ENO is always stressing because it helps us uh, when we, we're dealing with claims that arise from time to time. The better that you document things, um, the, I think the less likely you're going to end up being uh, the subject matter of a of a lawsuit or a complaint to the real estate council. Absolutely. I think that's also a, a real role for the managing broker around books and records and making sure with the new forms that the, the forms are retained in a way that makes them retrievable and that forms are comprehensive in the transaction file so that if there ever is a complaint about a transaction that a, a licensee and a broker can go back and understand that how that transaction transpired. And the other point I think that you've both made that's interesting and important are having those conversations early. Um, there's also the agency agreement that licensees enter into. And I think that's a good opportunity, again, to bring up. There's the contract that you may have in terms of your business relationship that your brokerage undertakes with the individual, but there are also the regulator's forms. And having, at the time you're initiating the agency agreement, having the conversation about, this is what I need to do as a regulated professional to ensure that I'm protecting your interests. These are the forms that I'm gonna ask you to sign for this reason, because I, I think there's an opportunity for all licensees to raise that level of professionalism to the public. and be clear that 
you're you're signing up with me because you're going to get great advice and I'm an expert and I've got your back through this transaction. And what that means is if a conflict arises, this is what may happen. Talk about the scenarios and even for brokerages, have policies about how you're going to deal with conflicts internally so that you have a consistent approach as well for your brokerage. So if a, if a complaint does get made to the council about a conflict of interest, um, Maureen, what are the, some of the things that the council investigators or a discipline committee would be, would be looking for? Well, one of the first places, as Aaron was alluding to, would be looking at what's the brokerage's policies and procedures, what is the invariable practice of the licensee, what evidence is there that the licensee complied with their obligations. So in uh, providing real estate services, those are always the considerations. It's, um, and I, I think people are, are becoming thoughtful about this, which is great. Doing things in a consistent, compliant fashion, time after time, without taking shortcuts, is going to be the best protection for the consumer. But also, uh, and I think Leslie will agree with this, it is risk management for the licensee. So that consistent, methodical, professional approach in all instances. And I think what we're going to see is the real estate process slow down because there's going to have to be more consideration and contemplation, both on the part of the licensee, but also so that their clients are fully informed and can make decisions. And we've talked about this before. Licensees have to keep in mind that they advise, but it is the client that decides, and they should not let their clients abdicate that responsibility. They're the principal, the licensee's the fiduciary. So those would be my suggestions. Um. Maybe I'll give a plug as well because I know that there's an app in development by the council to support the new forms and digitize the copies that need to be retained and part of what I hope brokerages will see as a benefit as will licensees is the ability to use digital records as ways to document transaction information, what's happened at an open house, taking notes on the forms in the app as you're speaking to someone because um, you know, I think conflicts can arise later if you've met someone by chance early on and you didn't think there was any chance that they would resurface and then down the road they come back. I think being able to document how your relationships transpire through a transaction is key. And the council always um, looks kindly where there's a cooperation in a complaint investigation and full disclosure of documentation. It really supports a, a thorough investigative process. So. I think there's roles, an opportunity maybe for refreshers around that. And we see many brokerages with strong systems and excellent records management right. in our audits. Um, annually, there are lots of, there's lots of compliance generally. So I think this will be well um, managed throughout the industry. So just to wrap, wrap it up, um, let's go back to why all these new agency and disclosure rules are being introduced, and it's about consumer protection. So why why is managing conflicts so important for consumer protection and to protect your clients? I think it's the degree of reliance that the public has on real estate licensees. And it's interesting if you talk to people about their individual representative, individually they're held in very high regard. And so this is when something goes awry, when there's a conflict that's not appropriately dealt with, the disappointment is huge because of the degree of reliance. Mm -hmm. So I, I think from a consumer protection, because 
they rely so much on the advice of licensees and the disclosures of licensees. These forms are going to assist licensees in um, making sure that the uh, client or the unrepresented party is fully informed of what their options are. I think it's about trust too and going to Maureen's point we hear so much it's about the relationship but it's that the, the consumers trust their professional. These are emotional decisions, they're high stakes, they can be the biggest financial transaction of your life and you have a right to be protected to ensure that there's a fairness in the process and that's where licensees play such a huge role and, and the reputation is key. I think avoiding conflicts of interest promotes a stronger reputation for industry professionals and creates a, a very even playing field. It has to be consistent throughout the province and it has to be consistent whether you're in commercial or residential, regardless of the type of transaction, your obligations remain the same. Eno's perspective is really more about protecting the, the, the licensee in that we're the professional liability insurer. But I think one has to look at um, the, the new rules in a, in a way that, that it will be protecting licensees uh, following the rules and um, uh, doing a proper job means that you're not going to be a client of ENO and, and the reality is <laughs> nobody wants that. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, and, and consumers benefit by higher degrees of professionalism and uh, a higher standard of care. Um, and, I, and I think that is an important thing in this industry. Great. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks. Thank you.